so focused i'm french the bro host and we would like to welcome you to the next take the next the next the next, the next take podcast the next the, 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 the next take podcast this is episode 38 and this is a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing nicks news of the week and if you want to find us on our socials you can check us out first on twitter at the next take then go to youtube search nicks take videos and if you rather follow on Instagram, you can find us at The Knicks Take. Last, you can check us out on Facebook at Knicks Take Media. I feel like I have a little bit of low energy, French. I feel like you have a little bit of low energy in regards to our favorite team. But before we get into that, French, how are you doing? Could be better. <laughs> team doesn't really hold uh, my emotions in high regard, apparently. So, um, yeah, it's been a, a pretty depressing week as a Knicks fan, but we still have positives that we could get into. We, we, we could talk about that in a little bit, but how was your week? I have nothing to report. I just been running around, getting stuff done, trying to get things accomplished while also feeling like I've done absolutely nothing. And, but otherwise, you know, I've been cool. I, I can't really complain about much. I'm still waiting yeah, to go back to work, you. but other than that, yeah. You been listening to any podcasts this week? Any all of them? Any uh, Nick? <laughs> all Nick's of them? Takes? <laughs> all all of uh, all of the podcasts, mostly the Knicks ones. And I, you know, we'll we'll get into how I feel about what I've heard, but most of them, good ninety percent of them, have been bringing up or have been advocating for a specific topic. And all of them have at least brought it up. And that is in regards to the coaching job of a Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. I've been listening to basketball podcasts, like just outside of the Knicks. Yep. And I even there, I couldn't escape <laughs> hearing people talk about Tom Thibodeau's job safety yep. and how how he should be on the hot seat. I don't know if I'm really ready to part ways with him yet maybe he's not the coach for the eventual Knicks championship team but i don't know if it's 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 if we, if we should be prepared to let him go this soon into his contract and he did establish a culture here he he he's established respect a, uh, an identity last season. I don't think you should just give up on it after just one year. One year having guys who just didn't fit what what it is that he wanted. Like I don't know. I just I, I I'm not in a rush to go back to what we were before last season. You get what I'm saying? Like I remember what it was like looking for coaching, having to keep bouncing from head coach to head coach. Like we've seen our young players play well under Tibbs. We've seen the the veterans come together and put together 
really incredible offensive runs. We've seen really encouraging wins. And I don't want to just throw all that out the window just because we're going through a rough stretch right now. It's, even as depressed as it makes me to watch all the 20-point <clears throat> leads disappear, end up in eventual Nick losses, losing on Valentine's Day didn't really help much either. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, it wasn't a... Watching a game with your girl, going to overtime, spending the whole Valentine's Day watching the Knicks game, and they, just for them to lose, it's not a really good look. You weren't feeling but... the love on Valentine's Day. I, <laughs> I know that. Yeah, Tibbs didn't love me that day. <laughs> but I'm going still, I'm, I'm to still show you some love, Tibbs. Uh, yeah. And, you provided and happiness I, and joy within the Knicks community. On a related note, I did see... I, I, I did see you through the Knicks Take Twitter account you responded to Stefan Bondi's tweet where he did a poll, actually. Who do you blame most for the Knicks' downfall? He listed the players, he listed ownership, he listed the front office, and he listed the coach. And not surprisingly, 49% of the voters voted for the coach, which was the number one, which was the number one, you know, choice, was the number one answer. The number two answer surprisingly, well, depending on how you look at it, you know, it could be not so surprisingly at 23%, the front office, and then 20% is the players, which would be second to last 8% ownership. I, I really felt like ownership didn't really need to be in there. I, I, what does yeah. ownership have Dolan to do hasn't with done anything? What does that have to do with this season? You could have just left it at the three, but even if you just leave it at the three, the fact that the players received the least flack out of all three. And it's an overwhelming belief that the coach is the most responsible. That was a little bit shocking. You wrote, how on God's green earth could the players possibly be second to last? They're the ones on yeah, the court. To which someone... I just don't understand. Someone responded to People you. just completely excusing the players on the court. Like, we see what the players are doing. I understand there's a game plan from the coaches end, but the players are the ones who have to execute this. Someone responded, because the coach calls the plays and decides who plays. Do you have a response for that? I responded on your behalf in the Twitter, but I wanted, I didn't know if you saw that response, and I didn't know if you wanted to give that person the time of day. Well, well what was your response? I said there were four choices. You only explained one. And in parentheses, I put poorly. <laughs> because, yeah, the coach calls the plays and decides who plays. What are, I'll say, okay, so what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that the best players have not been playing on this team? Are you trying to say that the best players have not been getting the minutes on this team? What I don't understand. What What plays... Like, what plays that the coach consistently has called all season has led to us losing? And what choice of decision as far as who plays and who doesn't play, like, has cost us? But here's my thing. Which I have an we've, answer for that, but you're not going to like my answer seen, for that. We've seen success from Tibbs' plays. We've seen success from Tibbs' coaching decision. Yeah. I'm not trying to completely excuse everything that he's done. But 
Yeah, he's definitely made some mistakes. He's definitely made some decisions as a coach this season that are very questionable. But at the end of the day, this is the roster that he was given to work with. It seemed that they were all on the same page when it came to the roster decisions. Apparently, that's not the case because there's been reports that Tibbs wasn't on board with certain players getting contracts from in the Knicks from the Knicks in free agency. He wasn't on board with some the Cam Reddish trade, but at the end of the day, he's gonna work with what he has and. If he feels like from what he sees in practice, these guys give him the best chance of winning, you can understand why he makes certain decisions. But at the end of the day, you also have to have the feel for the game in the moment to see what's working and what's not working. But Tibbs, make sure the team is ready every game. That's one thing that you, can, you cannot say about every coach that we've had over the last few years maybe since Michael Woodson, like <clears throat> we see these games every day and it's not like we're getting blown out. It's not like the guys are looking lost out there. We're so accustomed to watching that as Knicks fans. Are we, are we not like, are we anxious to go back to that? <laughs> like, do you want to see guys just going out there and just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks? Or do you want to see game plan? decision-making freedom from your star players. Like I, if, 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 if you want to criticize Tibbs for anything, it's how much freedom he gives his players on offense at times when he, the, when they prove that they can handle it. French, do you want to talk about this in full before we get into it? Cause I was planning on having this be our main topic after the games, but we could just get right into it because this, this honestly this conversation has made me very agitated for several different reasons. And the more we talk about it, the more it's like, all right, I kind of want to get into that. I kind of want to get into that. I, I have thought about this over and over in my head as far as the reasons why Tom Thibodeau has failed this season. And I've also thought about it as far as why firing him is just an overreaction. I don't even want to say overreaction, but that's how I feel. It's so reactionary. It's so reactionary mm -hmm. because we know, we knew who he was when we hired him, mm -hmm. right? And if you want to say, well, I never wanted Tom Thibodeau as a coach, then you need to start there. If you want to, if you, you want to have this discussion, you need to start and say, I never wanted Tom Thibodeau as our coach. I do not think he's a good coach. I've never thought he was a good coach. So everything that I am saying in regards to him being fired, that's the place that it comes from. And then if you say that, I, I can't argue with you because you knew who he was from jump. You knew what he was going to do. And the only thing that you and you, the only thing that you would hope is that he would make certain adjustments. You know, not you knew he wasn't going to go full bore and become this. He's not going to become one of the greatest coaches of all time, but you would hope that he would at least 
ease up on some of the things that he has done in his in his coaching career. And I think it's fair to say that he has. Maybe not to the degree that most of us would like. But what what would you say Tibbs is the best coach since? For us? Yeah. Tibbs has been the best coach for us since Mike Woodson. And you I could argue that maybe he's even better than Mike Woodson. Since Van Gundy. You could say that, right? Some of some people feel like now, today, we never should have fired. And I brought up Mike Woodson for a reason. The last time the Knicks made the playoffs as a top-seeded team was with that Carmelo Anthony, Jason Kidd, the, the, the Carmelo and the Vets, where we went to the playoffs as a top seed. We were the, we were the top seed in the Atlantic. We went to the playoffs. We got knocked out. We went to offseason. We had to retool. Much like we went to the playoffs as a top four seed last season. We went to the offseason. We needed to retool. The front office retooled by trading a first-round pick for Andrea Bargnani. This offseason, this front office didn't do anything close to doing anything as retarded as that. Anything close right. to it. And guess what? The Knicks lost the last time that happened when, with Mike Woodson. And guess what's the first thing Knicks fans decided to do? Fire Mike Woodson. Fire Mike Woodson. He, fire. Look it up. Knicks fans wanted Mike, fire, wanted Mike Woodson fired back then. And now today, y'all want to act like nobody ever asked. Nobody wanted Woodson yeah. to be fired and all that stuff. Well, as soon as the now Knicks start losing, like, y'all, the first thing y'all want to do is fire a coach. That's the yep. first thing y'all want to do. And then when that don't work, you want to fire the front office. And then you want to mm -hmm. trade all the players after all that. And then blame ownership. <laughs> y'all talk about doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. How about we hold ourselves as Knicks fans to that same standard? We've been doing the same thing for over 20 years. How many Hall of Fame coaches have we begged to be fired? Some of them deserved it. Larry Brown deserved to be fired, right? He's one of them. But not every single coach, and not every single coach that we brought here deserved to be fired because the players that were on the court were either not good enough, not mentally, or did not have the mental IQ, the basketball IQ to actually lead the team when they were supposed to be the leaders of the team. We didn't have the depth. We didn't, whatever the reason was, the roster construction was right. Those are all things that come into play when you have a basketball team. Sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. Tom Thibodeau brought a team who was expected to finish with 23 wins last season. And we finished as the number four seed in the playoffs. Now, if you want to bring up his coaching this year and say he's not doing enough, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not. He's, done, he's not done a good job this year, right? He hasn't. I think you would agree with that too, French. He hasn't done a good job this we year. All could he's agree. done he's done terrible stuff. We can blame him for RJ. We can blame him for the RJ injury. We can we can bring up that that retarded uh timeout in order to ask the referees to to review, review. after he after he had already done that, right? He two it, plays before. Right. We could we could blame him for that. We could blame him for and I said earlier, there's some rotation things that you could argue with, 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 
with Tom Thibodeau. And the one rotation thing that I think that Tom Thibodeau should have never made was pulling Kemba Walker from the starting lineup in the first place and, 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 and benching him completely. I, I think that from there, the, from there, that set off a chain reaction that we could not come back from. You benched Kemba Walker. You forced Derrick Rose to play more minutes than his, than his knees and his ankles could handle. Now Derrick Rose gets hurt. Now you're forced to play somebody, either Emmanuel Quickly, who hasn't been doing great as a point guard, or Alec Burks, who is better than Quickly at the, as a point guard at this point in time. But he's not a point guard either. And it also ruined Kemba's trade value. It, I'm not even talking about Kemba's trade value because we were trying, we, when we signed Kemba, we weren't thinking about trading Kemba midway through the season. We were thinking he was going to at but least be good enough. we knew he wasn't going to be the long-term option. We were thinking though. he was going to at least be good enough to be something. It wasn't going to be great. If it wasn't great, then you trade him in the offseason. No, but what I'm saying is we knew that he wasn't, like when we signed Kemba, we knew he wasn't going to be the long-term option. Yeah. And the plan was to eventually trade him. 100%. So to bench him two months into his contract that he just signed, it it doesn't really help the team, it, even if it it helps it helped, basketball. It would have helped the team if the front office could have traded Kemba Walker immediately. Like if they had the conversation with Tom Thibodeau and Tom Thibodeau said, "I'm about to pull this dude completely out of the lineup," that was on the front office to try and make a trade for him then and there. But exactly. the problem with that was the team was already losing at that point. So it, it's one of those things where. Well, I don't think they could have traded him at that point. I don't think it was the the deadline had passed. I I don't the, uh, I don't know. I don't know what what it was that. I, I don't know at what point. I just know that with twenty games in the season, we completely pulled Kemba Walker, and then that started a chain reaction of events that completely derailed this season to a point where we may not be able to come back. Because if you keep Kemba Walker in there and hope. That Julius, if Julius Randle did then what he's doing now, we would not be having this conversation. The only, the main reason why before we benched Kemba Walker, the main reason why we were playing so poorly is because our system, which some of you are going to be like, he's a, he only plays with one system and that's why. All right, cool. I'll give you that. We knew that from jump though. Tom Thibodeau does not play a system where he does not have somebody who can protect the rim, which is why he doesn't play Obi Top in more minutes. Point blank, period. You could be, you could bitch about it all you want. You could complain about it all you want. It's fair. It's a fair complaint. I'm not gonna argue it, but it is what it is, and we've known this from jump. Tom Thibodeau likes centers who are going to protect the rim. If you cannot protect the rim, you are not going to get big minutes at the five. Julius Randle's not a rim protecting big. Obi Toppin's not a big protect uh, a rim protecting big. They are ostensibly going to play the majority of their minutes at the four and they may play some minutes at the three. They're not going to play big minutes at the five, ever. If you were hoping that that was going to happen, you, I'm sorry, you fooled yourself. That, you have nobody to blame but yourself for that. So. I, I just don't know, like, who fans would rather have as a coach than well, someone I'm not even, who, you can tell Tibbs bleeds orange and blue. Like he's 100%. a lifelong New Yorker. 100%. And he wants to win every single game. And, he's a, and if he sees something isn't going to work, then he's going to adjust. He's going to have to adjust. You think he wants to he's lose? He's a Knicks coach. 
You're not going to find another coach that is going to embody who the Knicks more. who currently is coaching or is, you know, in route to coaching. You're not going to find anybody more than Tom Thibodeau to do that. Are you going to find a better coach than Tom Thibodeau? Yeah, you, you will. Possibly. Yeah, you will. There are better coaches. There are currently better coaches in the league than Tom Thibodeau. But but are they going to want to come here? Are they going to want to come here? After seeing how we treat coaches? We fire coaches like it's clockwork. You, like, y'all act like Greg Popovich has never had a losing season. Y'all act like do Eric Spolstra. Y'all act like Eric Spolstra's never had a losing season. Y'all act like Phil Jackson's never had a losing season. Like, y'all... What do, you, what, do you, what do you want? It, it's a bad season. It happens. You want him to make the adjustments that you want him to make. He's not doing it, so you want him fired? Really? What? So, I, I, and I, every time I listen to these podcasts and they go over the things that Thibodeau does wrong, in almost every single one, they give you a reason why he does what he does, and then they call it crazy. When the reason that they gave ain't really crazy at all, it's just, it's not what we want to hear, right? Uh, do you feel like that, French? Am I reaching? Like, have you heard this thing? thing? Not he's not playing, he's not playing, he, he's not playing the young guys again, uh, uh, enough. Granted, quickly has been terrible. Granted, Cam's been up and down. Granted, Obi's been terrible. Like, who do you want him to play? Quentin Grimes? He's just been playing 30, 35 minutes of game, like, since RJ's been out. Well, and he's playing the same position as, as RJ Barrett. And he's not going to take, take minutes from Evan Fournier because Evan Fournier's been our best shooter all year. Alec Burks was our best player for the first half of the season. What do you want? What, do you ex what changes do you think? Now, this is the thing now, right? Y'all have to separate what you want right now, right this minute, right this second, from his performance as a coach throughout the entire season. So when I say, what do you want? You're going to tell me, well, I want him to play Deuce McBride. Okay, you want him to play him now. You're going to tell me, yeah, you, you think Deuce McBride should have been playing all season? You're not going to tell me that. You might be able to tell me, say, well, since we first benched Kemba, Deuce McBride should have been getting that run, burn, whatever, whatever. Okay, maybe he should have. He did get some run. He did start a game. Then he went to COVID protocols. Kemba started balling. <laughs> you think they're going to, all right, Deuce is back. Now we got to pull Kemba again. And put, do you think that was really going to happen? I, I'm, I'm really at a loss for words as for how Tom Thibodeau should have managed this season up to now differently. The only leg that people have to stand on right now is that Right now, he probably should be doing a change because for us, the season is over. But Tom Thibodeau is not that, is not that coach who's going to say the season is over until the season's over. Never. He's never going to do that. Never. If you want to quit on the season or whatever, fine. I'm not going to be mad at you. Quit on the season. It's, go, it, it's, go root for Sacramento. It is highly unlikely that we're going to make it into the play-ins or the playoffs. It is probably impossible. I'm not going to act like it, like, okay, it's stupid for us to try to continue to win games. But even if we make the play in, like, what are we gaining from that? If we get to the playoffs, what are we gaining? From I don't that? know. Are we encouraged by what we see? Do we feel like we can make it far in the playoffs? I don't know like, what we can gain by getting, by tanking. Like, if we tank, 
Are we going to tank enough to get a top four or five seed? I don't know. Who knows? Who? Uh, but it's not even about tanking. It's about just playing, playing the youth. every game to win. Play every game like it well, matters. I feel like that's to, what these young guys are going to get well, the most well, you have to, out of. You have, to, you, you have to talk to me from one side or the other. You can't talk both at the same time, right? You can't do that with me. No, I'm not. No, I, I'm not, I, I'm not I can't decide you. on what the season. I'm not talking about you, French. <laughs> I'm just saying because a lot of people want to have it two ways, right? They want to say, well, you got to play like you're trying to win. He is. Well, he's not playing the young guys because they're playing bad. And the ones that are not playing bad are getting minutes. Now, yeah. the only person that we can't say that for is Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin's minutes don't drastically change depending on how good or bad he plays, and that's because he plays behind Julius Randle. And some yeah. people want to say, well, then Randle should play the five and Obi should play the four and they should play small ball minutes. It's not going to happen. Aren't y'all already it. complaining about happen. how many minutes Julius is playing already? And then you mm -hmm. want to want him to play the five. You can't have it both ways. You can't have and Julius play. You can't play, have Julius play five play minutes at the center when he's playing most of his. He's playing forty minutes a game at the four already. And now you want to say, all right, play play the same amount of minutes, but some of those minutes at the five. You don't think he's going to be even more tired in the fourth quarter if you do that? Yeah, we've seen him play minutes at the five early in the season, and we also seen how quickly he was out of gas and how quickly he shot was off and it's like yeah you can't play the center without exerting a, a huge amount of energy it's like you come up with answers to questions but you don't realize that those answers that you have they have questions of their own and the answers to those questions are not going to give you are not going to come out with a positive result y'all not thinking that far ahead y'all not playing the 3d chess y'all really not y you're not like, you can't tell me one thing that you would have done differently this season that you could say full bore would have made this season different. Except we never pull Kemba from the lineup. That's the only thing. Because you keep Kemba, you keep Kemba in the lineup. You wait for Mitch to get healthy. Yeah, Nerlens Noel still goes out with the injuries because that Kemba's stuff didn't affect that. But can you imagine this team? When Mitch finally gets back to being playing the way that he's playing, we still have Kemba and Derrick Rose playing the full forty-eight minutes at point guard. How how many wins? How many losses would have turned into wins? Like this season doesn't go the way that it goes. I don't think Derrick Rose gets hurt if he doesn't play. If he doesn't start playing over thirty minutes a game once Kemba goes out, I don't think that happens. Maybe he doesn't play as well as he's been playing, like that he has he played last year. But we would have him. We Obi Toppin would look better because Obi Toppin always looks better when Derrick Rose plays. Like, these are things that nobody is really talking about, acknowledging, and they want to say, well, it's up to Tibbs to adjust and change and adapt and all that stuff. But we, like I said, this is the same coach that we have had. We knew what we had when we signed him. You want Tibbs to go from playing a way that he's played his entire career, play, coaching the way that he's coached his entire career, to starting to coach like Eric Spolstra. And you, this, it was never going to happen. It was never going to happen. And if you want to fire Tom Thibodeau for not being Eric Spolstra, that, that's to me as retarded as, as you feel what he's not doing right now in games. And like I said, there's a lot to complain about with Tibbs. Yes. He has been a very inflexible. Yes, he has been very slow to do to make changes. 
yes, Obi Toppin should be playing more, regardless of, regardless of anything else. Obi Toppin should be playing more. Yes. Yes. Quickly, in that last game, should have got in a lot earlier than he did. I went back and looked at that game, we're, and we're going to talk about it later. I went back and looked at that game. By the, from the moment, mo quickly was on the sideline for like a whole minute before he got in the game. He arguably should have never came he out He arguably should have never came out the game, but if you don't pull him out of the game, then you have to wonder about if he would be gassed at the end of the game too. So I wasn't right. mad that he got so pulled out the game. It. I was just mad that he stayed out for as long as he did. That's on Tibbs, yeah. right? As along with all the other stuff that we said earlier, with like he hasn't he hasn't been a good coach this season. But what is the reason that you fire a coach? I've heard a month multitude of things as fireable offenses, quote unquote, and none of them sound like they're actually fireable offenses. This is what I think is a fireable offense as a coach. The the moment that you are no longer able to benefit your team as a head coach now or in the future, that is the moment that you should be fired. That's how I feel. What about you? Repeat that? How, what do you think is the reason to fire a coach? No, no, no. Repeat what you just said then. The moment that you are no longer able to benefit your team at present or in the future is the moment you should no longer be a head coach. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Do I feel that makes that, the most sense to me? Do I feel that Tom Thibodeau has no benefit to this team at present? I don't feel that way. Do I feel that Tom Thibodeau, that this team would be better off? with Tom Thibodeau in the future? Like, with no Tom Thibodeau in the future? Do I think next season we can't be a better team with Tom Thibodeau as our head coach? No, I think we could be, I think we could be even better than we were last season with Tom Thibodeau as a head coach. If you ask any Knicks fan, honestly, do you feel like it was a benefit or a hindrance that Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride. The only coaches they've had in the NBA so far is Tom Thibodeau. Is that a pro or a con? Honestly. I don't know what... Is it a pro or a con that R.J. Barrett has Tibbs as a coach? Honestly, I don't know what people would say. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something somebody wrote to me today, and I told them I would respond to it on the pod. And there was a lot of back and forth. So I, I, admittedly, this is without context. Okay. They said, and this is going to be probably about two to three minutes long. So bear with me. Saying the kids are not playing well and don't deserve minutes only makes sense if the Knicks were a playoff team and had a set of veterans in place who could get the job done. They don't, mm -hmm. and the youth should get minutes to work on their game in real time and build confidence. The fact he doesn't even try to mix the vets and youth more is also a clear sign he doesn't know what to do with this roster. My first response to that is, every lineup that we have on this team is a mixture of vets and, veteran, and rookies. Every last one of them. There's no, there's no rotation that does not have at least one or two young players on it. From the starting lineup, now can we stop pretending? From the starting lineup Quentin to the Grimes bench, is not a rookie. Half of this team 
our young players. The starting lineup, depending on health, has R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, or Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes is the only guy who goes either he's in the starting lineup or he's in the bench. The bench has Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes, and depending on whether Quentin Grimes is starting, Cam Reddish is in there. I, I understand some of us are mad that Evan Fournier is getting good minutes. Alec Burks is getting big minutes. Kemba Walker is getting 25 minutes a game. Like, okay, I understand that. Like, but Fournier earned his minutes. Burks got his minutes out of necessity due to what he provides as strengths. Right. And what we lack in Tibbs' eyes. But there's no, there's no lineup. And, and can we quibble about the minutes distribution? Yeah, we can't. But acting like these kids don't play at all or they get, like, like Frank Nilakina got spot minutes last season. Like, like if we're going to yeah. be, Kevin Knox this year got spot minutes. All of these players that I listed, except for Cam Reddish, who really, right, he, Tom Thibodeau had no plan for him when he got onto this team. And the only reason that he has a plan for him now is because of injuries. When we're fully healthy, will he still get minutes? Probably not, because I don't think he's shown enough to get consistent minutes. I don't think he's shown enough to get consistent minutes over Emmanuel Quickly because Emmanuel Quickly has a full season in front of Tom Thibodeau, showing that he he deserves those minutes. And by the way, Quickly is playing worse this year than he did last year, but he's getting more minutes this year. I don't know if any of you realize that. Offensively, he's playing worse. I wouldn't say he's overall playing worse. I would say offensively all season he's played worse. I would say defensively for half of the year he played better he's than last year last season. But yeah. He's been spotty for the second half of that of the season so far. Yeah. Obi Toppin has been worse than last season. He's getting more minutes this year than he got last year. He has not been worse. Ha- no way. Okay. No way. So I will say he's this. I will say this. Last year. He's been as bad as he was for the bad portion of his season last year. Because he had a bad, remember what, remember last year, I was like, yo, why is he getting so many, why is he playing every game? I don't understand, like. Why is he playing? playing? That's what you were saying. You ain't saying that now. Why is he playing? Why, why are we not giving Kevin, why is Kevin Knox getting all the DNPs? But Obi Toppin is out there stinking it up. And then he turned it around at the end of the year and he was playing really well. Obi Toppin has been inconsistent as hell. And he probably has as many bad games as he has good games this season. I wouldn't say I that. would. I say he's been much more consistent this year because he's had more, way more stretches of multiple games scoring in double digits. Last season, we'd be lucky to see him get 20 minutes, or not even 20 minutes, 20, uh, 15 minutes in consecutive games because he was so bad. Until well, he, he, he heated up later in the year, started playing well in the playoffs. Like, last season was rough for Obi Toppin. The playoffs was really the only time he consistently got over 10 minutes. There were times, if you remember last season, I was like, yo, why is he only getting 10 minutes a game? He's playing really well. And that's kind of the question again this year, except he's not playing as well as he was when I said that. Like, now it's like I can understand why he's only getting 10 minutes a game because he's not putting a long, but together a string of games to where we could trust him to play that many minutes. The only time he really got a big amount of minutes was when Julius was completely, was completely out. So, yeah. you know, but overall, he's still averaging more minutes this year than he was last year, regardless of how you feel about his play this season. All right, let me continue reading this. I felt like I had something else to say, but I can't remember. And I don't want this to go too long. 
even though I feel like this might okay. this might be a three hour podcast. Three hour podcast. Tibbs demanding perfection from Kevin Corver on those Bulls teams is a lot different than him demanding perfection from Obi, IQ, McBride, Sims, and Cam on this team. Bro, you just mentioned Cal Corver, huh? Cal Cal Corver. You said that's what he, that's what I'm I'm reading. I'm I'm not gonna correct. Oh my bad. Okay. You just listed Ovi, IQ, McBride, Sims, and Cam. That's five players, which is not accounting for RJ Mitch Robinson, which is seven players. That is the Knicks youth. And you're not mentioning those mm-hmm. two because their their minutes are solidified. Yeah, they don't look you you don't look at them as young guys because they're solidified and it doesn't go with what you're saying. Oh, he also like, didn't mention Tibbs eight guys because I didn't even say Grimes. And he's a rookie. So, it, yeah. So I'm just going to move on from that. It's, a, it's like you want all the young guys to play and none of the vets to play except for Julius Randle. Is that what we really want to see? I, I think so. I think so because they, they've given up on the season, which if you've given up on the season, it's fine. But to say that we should fire the coach because he hasn't given up on the season, you're going to have to convince me why that's a fireable offense. Even if it's not realistic, I still don't find that a fireable offense. If you want to say it's a fireable offense because those guys give us a better chance to win, I disagree with you. And we, that, that, that's where we're at. All, the, all of the young guys who are giving us a chance to win are the guys who play. Quickly plays, Obi plays, Quentin Grimes plays, RJ plays, Mitch plays. If you think that they should be getting 40 minutes a game, I don't think that I think the guys that get 40 minutes a game out of those guys that I listed or get as many minutes as they can handle, they get as many minutes as they can handle because they're the guys who give us the best chance to win. And I'd be having moments like where I'm emotional and I understand everything that everybody's saying. I'm 100%. Like, why are we watching Alec Burks play? Like, get him off the team. I'm tired of watching 100%. him play minutes. Give them minutes to Cam Reddish. But realistically, like, are we really genuinely going to go that route where we're playing nothing but do I want to see Ricky Lido here again? Like, do I want to see a, a a cast of young guys getting traded here to see if one of them can spark something? Is that what we really, really want to see? The best arguments that I've heard as far as switching up the rotations have always been more of an indictment on the front office for why they're here as opposed to an indictment on Tibbs. Because the guys that we want to get out of here are better currently than the guys that we want to play and we want them to play because we want to see if they can get better than the guys that are ahead of them but you can't do that but also want to win games all of those things yeah. don't go together if the you're saying sacrifice the rest of the season, team is going to be sorry good. go ahead no i'm saying the idea is that your team is going to try to win and be good for years to come so that eventually you can have a Miami Heat culture. Eventually, you can have a San Antonio Heat culture. I mean, San Antonio Spurs culture. Mm-hmm. You can, if you're in New York City and you have a culture like that, why would stars go and play anywhere else? Why would a Zion, who, who's averaging 27 points per game, if he could find time to get healthy, get his body right, and become a consistent all-star, do you think he'd want to stay in New Orleans over New York? Does that make sense? Does it make sense that Jason Tatum would want to, well, maybe Jason Tatum would want to share the spotlight with Jalen Brown for his whole career. But if he wants the same platform, because he, 
was just on, he on JJ Reddick podcast talking about he should have been all NBA because he averaged 27 points and he's not getting a recognition. You think that's going to happen in New York? We had Julius Randle here last year and we got him to all NBA second team. Are you taking Julius Randle over Tatum? I'm not. <laughs> like, you think stars are not going to want to come to New York if there's a winning situation going on here and we all we need is more talent? It's primed for anyone to come here. Like, do you really want to give that up? I understand we're not there now, but that's the goal. That's the end goal for that. what this front office is trying to build. They're trying to get to the point where they're consistently competitive and play hard every night. I just want to note something. Our producer said, speak up, French. You sound like you're mumbling at times. I would say probably lift your mic up so that your mic is closer to your mouth. So I'm going to keep reading. Now we are hearing through the media, quote, when Derrick Rose returns to the Knicks, returns, the Knicks might be able to get the ship straight, end quote. What kind of nonsense is that? The Knicks should tank and try to add high-level talent in a shallow draft. This obsession with the offseason stinks of Dolan. I, I half agree. I also... Last, Do you last season, read, right? Like Last season, when we were at 500, and we made the trade for Derrick Rose, and we were like, yeah, we're probably just going to be a 500 team. We might sneak into the play-ins. There was a point where we were like, yeah, we might sneak into the play-ins. We might even sneak into the playoffs. And then we won a bunch of games that we were not expecting to win, and all of a sudden, we were the fourth seed. Is that going to happen this season? Probably not. But... We don't know. We, Derrick Rose is really good. But <laughs> the reinsertion of Derrick Rose and R.J. Barrett into the lineup, it could change things. Could. For sure. And if it doesn't, then we're all going to be in the same boat. This team still stinks. We should wrap it up, and we should try to get a higher draft pick. But if we have the opportunity to... Sneak in. We're not that far out of the play-ins. If we have an opportunity to sneak into play-ins, then get into the playoffs and all that stuff. If we have the opportunity to be one of the best teams in the league, again, and this was a point that I forgot to say earlier, but I'll say it now. This is a team who, without those two players, went into the toughest arena in the NBA and pulled out a victory when most teams cannot do that. They went into Second Golden toughest. State and beat Golden State in their home court. And Golden State is the best team in the NBA at home. No. Phoenix. Okay. Well, they're second best then. At the time, I think they were the best team at home. But that was one of, that was one of the hardest places to win in that arena. And they did that without R.J. Barrett, without Derrick Rose. And they almost choked away that game too. All of these games that they've lost recently, they've shown that they are good enough to beat all of these teams. It's just that they're gassed because they don't have the talent. They don't have the depth <clears throat> to beat, to, to carry to the finish line. It's not that they can't beat these teams. It's that they can blow all of these teams out because they were up by 28 points. They were up by 24 points. Like, that's what it is. So once you have that full, healthy team, and I'm going to even throw Nerlens Noel in there. If we have a healthy Nerlens Noel and we have 48 minutes of Mitch and Nerlens and we have 48 minutes of Kemba and Derrick Rose and Emmanuel Quickly, 
we we don't know how good this team is. Not saying that we should find out. Like I'm just saying, it's not crazy to feel that way. It's also not crazy yeah. to feel the way that y'all feel. It's not crazy to feel like we should just give up on the season because the rest of the games are too tough. We're not probably not going to make it into. Play. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. But from New York, stop, stop being so. Stop being so reactionary, right? Let the season play out because before the season started, we were very happy. And because things didn't turn out the way that we wanted it to turn out, now we want to we want to burn everything down. Stop it. But like I said, I, I I kind of agree with it. But don't say the Knicks should and treat that as a fact that we all should agree with because there's nothing factual about any of it. It's all opinion-based. And this is an opinion that I agree with. The, the Knicks should try to take. They should try to high, add high-level talent in a shallow draft. But they could also do something else that I wouldn't disagree with. They could try and trade the pick and package it with somebody else for somebody who's actually going to make this team better next season. Or they could try yeah, and make it like... into the playoffs and show that last year wasn't a fluke by getting back into the playoffs and playing well for the rest of the season. That would be beneficial to the Knicks as well. There's real, If you really think about it, there's no bad way for the Knicks to go. The only, thing, the only bad thing to do would to be reactionary and to act like everything was a fluke and to give up on everything that we have accomplished up to now. That would be the worst thing that we could do to me. You got something you want to say, French? Yeah, it's just, we, I, I, I don't think we are fair as fans a lot of times when it does come to injuries because I've said on this podcast before, like, oh, Miami has been injury riddled all season and they still got the number one seed. Why would, like, the Knicks should be able to too, but, like, we don't really have the talent that Miami has. We are a talented team, but when you don't have a starting point guard consistently, it's hard to win that way, especially when you're an up-and-coming team. And it's, it's really hard to overlook all the injuries that this team has had. We haven't had a, a consistent starting point guard or a consistent starting center. And those are arguably two of the most important positions on a contending team or a team that's going to be elite. And if you are trying to struggle throwing Alec Burks at the point guard to start the year just to maintain just a steady offense, that's not going to really do wonders for your team. But I, I honestly feel like in the second half of the season, if we're able to get all the guys back, Derrick Rose, Nerlens Noel, consistent minutes from Kemba Walker. I really do want to see what that looks like. Right. I do. Because Nerlens is out there looking like he's trying to avoid injury whenever he plays. Uh, yeah. I want him to get comfortable again. I, I would not say that. and I, But I, you can say that. And at the same time, you could also say, I want to see what Deuce McBride, what a Deuce McBride, Quentin Grimes, RJ, Cam Reddish, or Obi Toppin, and Mitch lineup looks like. Inconsistent minutes. Yeah, but Deuce is not going anywhere. We're gonna see minutes from Deuce for years to come. Yeah, like he, I'm perfectly fine with seeing him in the G League, and getting minutes in practice with these guys. Like, I'd rather see him develop. And that's not in a system. That's not crazy. That's tailored for him to succeed. This system is tailored for Deuce to succeed. To succeed. Sorry. Pause. 
But God, shut up. There's nothing. There's nothing crazy about letting letting Deuce just rock in the G League. That this is not the first team to do it. To have a promising prospect rock out in the G League for a year and then bring him in and then oh wow, where has this dude been hiding? Hey, ever heard of Fred VanVleet? So, yeah, I understand. We What's I understand Matthews? we want to see Deuce, but like you Jeremy said, Lin? he's not going anywhere. So that first that first section that I read, I didn't read the whole thing because I had another another poster that I wanted to read his response to me as well. That was War Games from the Kali. This is also from the Kali. This one was even longer, so I'm gonna try and zip through it as fast as I can. And he made a lot of very good points, most of which I've already addressed. Tibbs has zero ability to adjust on the fly. Present any alternative to drop coverage with a traditional big on the floor. Julius Randle has played more minutes at the small forward this year than at the five, when he's been known for years as being effective as a small ball five. This was before he even came to the Knicks, before he even went to the Pelicans. And yes, our offense having literally no actions after the first action is on Tibbs. He literally subbed in Alec Burks to make them run one four pick and roll to cause a switch and, that let, and then let one of the worst finishers in the league, Burks, and worst isolation players in the league, Julius, take turns attacking the defense to failures in the last three blown fourth quarter leads. The young guys who have been playing well have been getting minutes. He laughed at that. I saw Cam get numerous pass breakups only to get eight minutes in a game. Obi dropped eight and four in 11 minutes to get yanked for Taj. Because T Tibbs literally doesn't know how to make Julius and Obi work. When I know for a fact, better head coaches who aren't rigid would get them on the court at the same time, especially, especially considering he was a goddamn lotto pick. In response to me saying, if this season starts off differently, we never have this discussion at all, he said, Respectfully, this is a crock of shit. The Clippers literally got two max players sitting out right now, and they're at 500 going down to the wire with the Suns because of coaching while also losing rotation players in a deal for Norman Powell, who broke his foot a game after he got to the Clippers. Everything got to be ideal for Tibbs to make shit work. This is not the sign of a great coach. I, I just want to point out, we have had numerous games where we've gone down to the wire with really good teams, or we've gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with really good teams, both last season and this season, when we were not at 100%, when we were missing a player or two, like... If you're saying we need, <laughs> we, things need to be ideal in order for Tibbs to win, okay, I guess, but yeah, the Clippers like, going, bro, do you, uh, you're picking and choosing is what I'm, is what yeah, I'm going to say. You're like, picking and choosing like, like Tibbs hasn't coached, coached this team when it's been bereft of talent to having amazing performances. Like we haven't beaten good teams. Like we haven't gone toe to toe with good teams. Like we haven't. And when we do, y'all y'all give the players all the praise. We shot the lights out. We shot an amazing amount from three and this, this, and that. But, like, that's a result of the offensive style that we play. And the offensive style that you're, that you're disparaging, you're, gonna give, you're not giving Tibbs the credit for that. But when we start slowing it down, that's on Tibbs instead of on the players. Y'all picking and, and choosing the battle. And you can't do that. It's either all, 
like when the good has to be Tibbs and the bad has to be Tibbs or the good has to be the players and the bad has to be the players. You can't pick and choose. Or if you're going to pick and choose, you got to tell me which one is which. You can't say we're slowing it down because of Tibbs because the bench always plays fast. And then when we play good, the starters play fast too. I think that's Tibbs. And you learned where he's saying the sign of a uh, you is a sign of a good coach, or the sign of a bad coach is having to have players de- designed to like your system. That's not a good sign. What was that part he said? Read it again. He said while also losing rotation players in a deal for Norman Powell, who broke his foot a game after he got to the Clippers. Everything got to be ideal for Tibbs to make shit work. This is and not that, the sign uh, of a great coach. That's not the sign of a great coach. So Rick Carlisle isn't a great coach because he needs tailors to t- players tailored to his play style in order to succeed. Well, coach in Miami, Spolstra. You Spolstra think? does. Spolstra does make adjustments, right? No, but Miami will not sign a player who's not gonna fit the Heat culture. They need to be under conditioning requirements in order to get signed. Like yes. they. That, that, sign players who they know are going to fit their system. And, and they ain't going to go and sign James Harden. I promise you that. That is a great point, French. That is a great point. This whole thing with what we see on the court when it comes to wins and losses, a lot of that has to do with the front office and the coaching staff working together hand in hand. It's not, Pop, not a great coach. It's not just the coach. It's not just the players. And it's not just the front office. It's all three working in cohesion. You can't say, well, the front office messed up, but the coach may turn chicken shit into chicken salad. So that's a great coach because that's, that literally never happens. It literally never. never happens. When the front office gives you a shit product on the floor, there's nothing that the coach can do about it at the end of the day. And if you're in, in like your roster is half injured, and cannot get steady rotation minutes from the most important pieces. Like, yes, there are there are teams that are constructed in a way that they can lose their best players and they can still play very good basketball. We can argue that this Knicks team is not one of those teams. And we could also say that this Knicks team just Things did not go in the way that they were expecting it to go. They planned for something and something else happened. Like, if you would have said that injuries would have been a reason that the Knicks were not going to play well this year, I would have called you a liar because I thought that we had enough depth that we could survive anybody being hurt. But we're not going to get into into the point guards and the centers discussion again, but that that hurt a lot. I'm watching teams without their star players be able to function and have a consistent offense and defense with adjustments by the coach to the rosters they do have. Yeah. Bam has missed 25 games. Jimmy Butler has missed 18 games. Kyle Lowry has missed 13 games. Tyler Harrow has missed 13 games. They are still at the top of the East because of continuity and the ability of Spolstra to maximize what he does have. Are we saying that Tibbs doesn't preach continuity? And he doesn't maximize the talents of what he does have. Continuity. I don't know if I agree with that. If anything, I think I think the fact that 
you guys want him to have Obi Toppin and Julius Randle play together at the same time, it means that you want the continuity to stop and you want to try something new. So the things that you're saying that Spolstra is doing, he's like, you, you don't want Thibodeau to do because you, that's not what you want to see. Thibodeau is the, is the poster child of continuity. And it, and it makes it simple for the young players to know what they have to do and for, for, for what the veterans know what they have to do. It, it makes it simple. Maybe we don't see the benefits of it this season, but we will see the benefits of it next season. But, hey, maybe maybe we won't. Maybe, maybe I'm just talking on my ass. You got something you want to say in response to that, French, before I continue? I got no, you can two more paragraphs. The Heat are the uh -huh. only team with a slower pace than us, and yet their offense is worlds more efficient because their sets have two to three more actions after the first one gets stifled because they have a coach that knows the game beyond one end of the floor. I don't think that the Knicks don't have multiple actions that they could go to. They have numerous sets that they run. Whether they actually run it or not, I mean... Do we have a, 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 a shooting threat like a Duncan Robinson who can we have multiple, run all over the court? We have multiple uh, shooting like threats. Fournier is the closest player like that. Correct. But I'm talking about just the way Duncan Robinson runs around the court like Steph Curry. Right. Doesn't run out of gas, just runs all over types of screens and mm -hmm. catches it top of the key and just throws it up. And it goes in. But the like, we don't have that kind of shooter on this team. But the problem so is... How, we can't compare Miami to New York. The problem is that, yes, we don't have that player, but also our offense runs through our best players who that kind of action doesn't benefit... doesn't benefit this team. So... I, I disagree. I think if Julius Randle had someone like that, that would help him out a lot. I think if Julius Randle had somebody like that, he would completely ignore them because mm -mm. his his best, the way he gets all of his assists is from him starting the action. He's not going to sit there and wait for somebody to run around a bunch of picks to pass him the ball. He's trying to get into the paint. And in order for him to make that pass, that person needs to be stationary. You know what I mean? No, he doesn't. He does this with Fournier all the time, I feel like. Except they do. he's he the one picks, setting the screen. He acts, exactly. He picks four point for, for Fournier, <laughs> right? Oh, do, do you need somebody else to do that? Like, <laughs> like, that's what I mean. Like, we have that guy in Fournier, and Fournier is, has been shooting the lights out. So, obviously, that's not the issue. Like, I wish we had someone who would move on the court on offense, like, off the ball consistently. If you have somebody like that, then you need a point guard to have the ball at the time in order to, in order to exercise that. It, that wouldn't be the benefit for Julius. So. It'll be, be it'll be benefit Julius in terms of how much attention he's getting, but it wouldn't benefit Julius in terms of if the run if the offense is being run through him. So that's a Julius issue for me, anyway. I think if I think if Jews has the ball. He's looking for a player like that because it makes his job easier. Probably. Because he's always seeing double teams. So if you have a movement shooter like that just running around the court, all you got to do is keep your eyes on him. You and then look out for backdoor cuts. I feel like that would help the team a lot, but we don't have no player like that. We have to settle for Evan Fournier who can do that sometimes. 
Do you know what the Grizzlies record is without John Morant, who has missed 14 games this year? 12 and 2. Yeah. The same Grizzlies team in many ways from roster construction to offensive principles is built around maximizing John Morant's skill set. Also has a coach that knew how to pivot without their all NBA star player suiting up, which includes small ball lineups, pushing pace, and four out one in offensive sets. Yeah, that's true, but we haven't we haven't been missing Julius Randle. And we've been losing with Julius Randle, whereas the Grizzlies have been winning with John Morant. So it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison. This Knicks team and is not most the of their roster was still there as as well as being young and very talented. They have multiple lottery picks on yeah. this team. And it's I, not an equal comparison. And it's not an equal comparison. I understand the point that you're trying to make, but this team, as constructed didn't gel fast enough, wasn't healthy to start the season. And there's a lot of moving parts to ask a coach to say, all right, well, when this guy's out, we're going to do this. When this guy's like, and, and he has a system that he's going to stick to. And like I said, you, if you're upset with that, okay. But you have to tell me that you didn't like that. You, you'd never wanted this coach in the first place. And that's where you start and finish. We have nothing more to discuss. You never wanted Tibbs. You always felt he was a bad coach. Even last season when we won all those games, you felt he was a bad coach. If you're going to tell me that, all right, okay. I had problems with Tibbs last season too, but I didn't want him fired, and I definitely don't want him fired yeah. this season. No coach is perfect. They're all, there's always going to be something that you find wrong with them. I can keep you going. Just take the good with the bad. Sorry. Or the bad with the good. Sorry. I, I just want to finish this off so we can move on. I can keep going with how a myriad of coaches are presented without ideal circumstances, and they all knew how to adjust. The game has passed tips by. This is my TED Talk. That was by IKBM, my Knicks brethren. Sometimes we, we battle it out, we argue, and I will never back down from playing devil's advocate when I feel like there is a whole heap of gray in a scenario, in a discussion. As I keep hearing everybody mount more and more to this fire tips, that just, I'm ready to discuss it because it's not that, it's not as simple as y'all are making it. Y'all want to make him the next Mike Woodson? All right. I don't want to hear the complaints when the next coach, coach comes in and we still playing bad. And then you're going to say, then, let's fire Leon Rose. And then we're, and then we're going to be back where we were five years ago. Yeah. And then that type of stuff, y'all saying that on these social media platforms and then now the media saying it, like these players are going to see that that's going to start seeping into their psyche. And that's going to start affecting what happens with the team. Like, can we please just relax, please? Because now if the players start wanting Tibbs gone and they start tuning him out, now what? Now he got to go. Relax. Relax. You ready to jump into the games for the week? Let's do it. All right. I, I feel like we, now nah, we can just quit, quit it right here. We're done. We're good. <laughs> I bet. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Love y'all. Nick's take now. <laughs> All right, now nah, let's let's get into the games. All right, so the first game, Knicks blew a 23-point lead to the Portland Trailblazers. After a very slow start to open, the Knicks picked up the defense and took the lead after a 21-4 run. So, Kemba Walker played well first half. Taj had a couple of grown man dunks early. Mm-hmm. Cam Reddish was playing well, playing good as well. Not really scoring great, but he he got was, a nice steal. He had some key. 
moments off the bench. In the second quarter, Julius nice remembered to push the dunk. pace. Huh? I said Cam got a nice steal and dunk in the yep. fast break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was nice. Julius remembered to push the pace in the second quarter when it looked like Portland was finding life. He had 14 points and 11 rebounds at that point. Grimes was doing all of the little things to help us win. At halftime, the Knicks were up 53-48. Then the third quarter happened. Mitchell Robinson tweaked his ankle, going for a rebound. And I thought they were going to pull Mitch, and they didn't. He stayed in the game, hobbled up and down the court. I was, it wasn't, things weren't drastic yet. Everyone was still looking good, except for Quickly and except for Evan Fournier. Knicks took a 23-point lead midway through the third, and then Mitch went out, and then Portland made a run while the bench unit was on the court. Mitch Kemba never was hooping in that whole first half, too. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mentioned that. Like, Kemba started off pretty damn good. And at the end of oh, the game, at the end of the game, I was like, why is Fournier still out there? Fournier was terrible. And if there was any time where I felt like Kemba should have got more minutes, it was in this game. Because Fournier didn't deserve to play in that fourth quarter. He was still a heavy threat, so I did understand why he was playing because of the fact that we've seen what such a hot streak that he was on. Every time he shot it, I thought it was going in. And yeah, but what it just wasn't falling. He had, and as a coach, you have to either trust in your player or decide to go a different route, and something like that could hurt a player's confidence. So I understand, yeah, Realistically, I, I we probably it. should have subbed him out. But, but he's already he's already done it this year, right? Remember in the first the first quarter of the season, which nobody ever really brings up nowadays. In the first quarter of the season, when Fournier was playing terrible, he never saw fourth quarter minutes. You remember that? That like he never came back. Yeah, in the game. but but in January he did something that he didn't do in the beginning of the season. No, one hundred for an entire month. One hundred percent, right? But this was not that game, a and. To the fire tips crowd, this is something that they have noted, and it's something that I agree with. Sometimes you have to you have to be able to read what's going on in the court, and you have to adjust to what's going on in the court. And Tibbs does not do that well. And this was a game where you could, like he, or rather, he does do it well when it's not a veteran. But if it's a veteran, he's going to trust more often because of history that they're going to get it right in the game than he will with a rookie. Whether that's but our rookies and our young guys are going to become veterans one day. Like, I want people to realize that. They're going to become veterans one day. They have to learn. They have to crawl before they walk. So if he sees something in practice that shows that they're not ready to play when the time is on, when the time is right, I got it. No choice but to just trust that. The time. Doing what's in the best interest of winning. The time to, to be concerned will be when these guys stop getting minutes completely. When they start getting, mm -hmm. when their minutes start looking like Kevin Knox, when their minutes start looking like mm -hmm. Frank Nilakina, that's when it's time to start worrying. But the fact right. that Obi Toppin has played in every single game, quickly has played in every single game, Quentin Grimes, once he started his his hooping, he's played in every single game. R.J. Barrett has never been in, like, I'm not worried about any. Mitch, I'm not worried about any of those guys moving forward. Because yeah. if 
even the guys who aren't getting 20, 25 minutes a game, they will eventually. It's not going to be this season, but every season, as as they gain more trust trust with this coach, they will get they will play more. Knicks ninety two to seventy seven to start the fourth. They lose this game one twelve one o three. That was I, a bad loss. It was a very bad loss. It was a thirty five to eleven fourth quarter in favor of the Blazers. And the only thing I really took from this game, Knicks didn't have Mitch in the end. That that really hurt them. That really killed them but, in the end. They couldn't but Mitch grab was boards. getting his lunch meat taken the whole game, though. I'm not going to lie to you. Nurkic had 20 rebounds, to like 12.6 assists. He was dominating Mitch even when he wasn't hurt. But he was dominating even more when Mitch was out because they had, at least Mitch was giving him a little bit of pressure. Once he went out, there was really nothing the Knicks could do. Right. So I, I have no more thoughts in that game. That was a really bad loss. One of the worst losses of the season, just like every other game that we're going to talk about in this episode. That you can't go up, you can't go up by 23 points and then lose 112 to 103 in the fourth quarter. You just can't. You can't start the fourth yeah. quarter up, where were they up? 15 points and then lose. Like, but you can't lose by nine points. You just can't. 35 to 11. Yeah. Yeah, that was a trend this week. Do you mind if I just jump straight jump into the straight next in. game? Because the next game was the first game off the road trip. Back at home, OKC without Shea, Gilgis Alexander, or Lou Dort, who's their two leading scorers. You're thinking, I right, bet. We're back home. Let's get this one win out the way. You know what happened? We lost. <laughs> On Valentine's Day, <laughs> OKC. Came into the garden. Trey Mann finished the game with 30 points. And Josh Getty finished with a 28-point triple-double. Two rookies going off for career highs in the garden. Again. Again. The Knicks had a 10-point lead in third quarter. OKC fought the whole way through to the end. And this game should have been an easy win. But down toward the end, the offense was struggling on the Knicks' end. The offense of OKC was finding ways to just chip into the lead, even if they couldn't get a basket to go when they was at the free throw line. Giddy was just looking completely comfortable the entire night. Trey Mann couldn't be stopped. <laughs> Mitch was dominating 14.7 rebounds. Every matchup, he just looked like he can outmatch, like he can out-rebound them and just bully his way around the court until Derek Favors came into the game. And I feel like that changed everything down in the stretch of the fourth quarter because anytime Mitch is going against someone really physical, he doesn't play the same. And he was getting out muscled, reddish and topping. Each played only eight minutes while Burks played 27, shooting three for 11 from the field. And even with Obi's playing those minutes, he played seven, he got, he scored seven points in eight minutes but went over three from three. And I feel like maybe, I don't know. I feel like Obi does deserve more minutes. It's just rough because Julius played 45 minutes this game. Mitch played 41. Fournier played 45. Grimes played 40. Mostly due to the fact that we went to overtime. Mm -hmm. But I know that they were, they had to be gassed. Right. Because we did not have any life in overtime. That, that's been... Randall finished with a 30-point triple-double. IQ was held scoreless. And even still, 
with the game down three in overtime. Tibbs trusting IQ to take the wide open corner three. He had a great look at it. I feel like that's a good play. Yeah. Because the IQ is your best shooter on the team outside of Quentin Grimes. So I trusted it, and it just didn't fall. We lost at home. And my final thoughts was, I hate this team. What about you? There's a lot to be excited about watching this game. Grimes had a chase down block. On the center. Yep. Fournier erupted in the first half, in the first quarter, really. Mitch had a steal and a fast break dunk by himself. No pass, no assist, no nothing. Which To I which I, I wrote, he's better than Bullock, Reggie Bullock in the fast break. Because, you know, Reggie Bullock would have dribbled that off his leg and turned the ball over. Mm-mm. Don't remind me. <laughs> IQ with the amazing passes to OB for... For alley oops twice in this game. But he missed on the second one. That one, that one cut me because that second one would have brought the life back up. And we probably it, but it was still game. great passes from IQ. It was it was a great pass. He just didn't finish. And you said that Favors was must out muscling Mitch, but even still, Mitch was the X factor for this Knicks team. And, and he got gassed at the end, and y'all who want to say that's on Tibbs, yeah. But at the same time, who, you know, how do you how how do you predict that this team that is playing so well for three quarters? How do you predict that everything is just gonna go to shambles halfway through the fourth? Like, you keep those guys in so that you can, all right, we're far enough halfway through this fourth quarter, I can pull everybody out. Should he do that every game? Obviously not. Obviously, he's got to change that. Obviously, he needs to. This is a young team. Yeah, obviously, he needs to game plan differently. But there is logic behind, all right, I'm just going to keep these guys in to keep this double digit. Maybe they build the lead to 30, 40 points. And then I could put the bench in because it's it's a safe enough lead to where I, even if they start pulling in a little bit closer, they're going to have enough rest at the end of the game to just keep it away. And that never happens. I'm, would, I'm not going to fault anybody for saying that's on Tibbs. He needs to coach differently. I'm not. I'm not. Like, if, if we've seen it enough, the way that he distributes these minutes is not working. The guys get too gassed. So even when they go up by 20 plus points, you have to pull, you have to get them as much rest as possible to finish the game. You have to trust the guys that you're not trusting just to do something to keep this game alive so that they can come back. But we've also seen like he does that and the guys come back and then they've lost whatever mojo they had in the first half, the first quarter, the first three quarters. Like it doesn't matter how much rest they get sometimes that in the games. So I really, I'm not trying to figure out or he should have figured out something different to get these wins, but whatever. Uh, It was a veteran team that he wanted to just outsmart the young 
talented Oklahoma City team and it just didn't work out. It didn't work out. And and we needed that win as Nick fans because we were We needed all of these wins. Demoralized after the Portland loss and then this loss was just like, all right, bet. But what more could you want oh, going can... into the next Brooklyn game that we both attended? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just kinda What wanna... more could you need to pr- proceed? I just kind of want to mention a couple of things from that last game, too. Randall called for a moving screen, causing a Fournier made three. That could have helped us win the game. Mm-hmm. And then Julius's bad turnover with 30 seconds remaining, where he threw it into the... Out of bounds. Yeah, that, that was... Yeah. And then at the end of the game, 23 seconds left, and Julius immediately scores two points. And I was like... You're down six. At that point, at that point, Julius had no idea where he was. But this is like the second time he's he done that this year. And it's like, <laughs> you know, you're down six, right? That two did nothing because you go. Yeah. Uh, no matter what, you still need two possessions. What you, unless you're hoping that they're gonna foul on a three. So, whatever. Like he had no idea where he was. Uh, this is this is why. Like I, I hope he continues to play well. And that's the other thing I kind of want to talk about with this whole tips thing. And, like, people are talking about, yeah, you can't blame Julius, right? We're going to get into this Brooklyn Nets game, and I'm going to tell you why you can blame Julius. So, as you just said, Nets fans were in attendance, seemingly grouped up in the nosebleeds, but making enough noise to be noticed. Mm-hmm. And the Knicks got off to a hot start. Nets fans were still like, it's before, early. Before, before we even get to the game. Uh-huh. There was way too many Brooklyn fans in that in the garden that day. I thought it was just up in the nosebleeds. Nah, we had one behind us, one in front of they us. They were sprinkled around. They were sprinkled I'm around. I'm pretty sure the one to my left was a Brooklyn Nets fan too. There was one of them to your left. They they were sprinkled in with the garden crowd. I there were still mostly Knicks fans in this in in the garden. I should have snuck but, them. <laughs> but it wasn't enough to, like, if this game goes the way that it goes, like, we would have heard the Brooklyn chance at the beginning of the game, and we would have never heard it again for the rest of the, uh, the game. Like, it wasn't that many, it wasn't that many Nets fans. It was enough, there was a big group up in that, in the nosebleeds. Like, they bought out that whole nosebleed section because, you know, that's probably all they could afford. And, um, there was way more. There was, but way they more. were no. There were they were there were guys in front of us. There were guys to the left of us. There were guys to the right of us. There was guys all throughout the garden, right? But it wasn't. I saw a lot of Brooklyn hoodies, yeah, t-shirts, one hundred percent jerseys, one hundred percent. That that was nasty. Like it like was that. it was Knicks fans being generous to their Nets fans because that guy that was behind us, he was there with a Knicks fan. The guy that was to your left, I'm pretty sure he was with a Knicks fan. Like. It was us just being... And they wasn't quiet. We were being hospitable, and they were taking advantage of the hospitality. That's what I'm going to say. Man, we was being sore. He was being The guy in front of us wasn't being sore. They was in there being loud. They was loud. They was making it known that they was in attendance. Like, I didn't like that at all. No, that's... But it's cool. You buy a ticket, you, you have the right, but it's up to the team to shut them up. And... We started off pretty quiet in the first half. Five for five from three. At halftime, the Knicks' field goal percentage and three-point percentage were both higher than the points that the Nets had scored. 
Nets were 57.5% from the field, 56.5% from three. The Nets only scored 44 points. That is embarrassing. I've twist, I tweeted out from the Knicks take account the percentages, and I was like, there's no reason that this game should be this close. The Nets were scoring like sub 20%, sub 30%, and the Knicks were as high as like 70% in the first half. And it was like, how, like, yeah, we're blowing them out by 20, but we should be blowing them out by like 30. We got, we have them beat on every single metric that you could think of. So that was a little unsettling for me, but I still had hope. I still had faith. You came into the game, not feeling so hopeful. No, I was like, that, that's, that's the kindest way you could possibly word You it. thought we were going to lose. I was demoralized. And I was like, I came no into pain. the game. I didn't have a single Nick item on. I didn't have a Jersey, a hat, hoodie. You know how I come to the games. Yeah. You know how I come to the game. I thought you. Had I didn't have on. nothing on. I'm fresh off. I'm fresh off work. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, let's let's watch. Let's see his team lose tonight. What's up? What's going to happen? I saw the twenty point lead, and you were still twenty eight point lead. You were still not confident. It wasn't just me. The garden was quiet yep. the whole night because yep. we were nobody like, had faith. Because we were like, all right, we're not gonna when, we're when not is... gonna get crazy until it's clear we're going to win. We the garden was hype. But yeah, we we've seen it, it was way nice to see more the threes. You've seen it way more height. It wasn't electric at all. It wasn't close to electric like how it normally is. Right. Anytime a, a player came into the nets onto the court, what would I say? Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas. He's a bucket. Yep. You did. He's a, he's he's a bucket. So Patty Mills. He can shoot. Steph Steph Curry. You got to watch him. Mm -hmm. And who's the three players that killed us? You're right. Second half, Knicks began settling which at first didn't really kill them. The Nets did bring it in 15 and then the Knicks pushed up. I said, nah. By the second half, I was like, yep, quickly he's back. He knocked down multiple threes. He had, mm -hmm. what, four threes, five threes in his game? He was struggling in the shoot-around, though, at least to me. It, it looked like he was, well, you was, uh, he was missing, and then as soon as you said that, I started watching it. I was that, like, I haven't seen yeah. him miss yet. So and then he started banging them shits. Then quickly got pulled for Burks. And then he doesn't come back in the game until a minute left. Le a minute left in the game. Knicks blew that lead, as you probably have already guessed. Cam Thomas came in and cooked him in the pick and roll. He cooked. Until he had Mitch on him every time. He cooked Mitch. Did a step back mid-range yep. over and over without, like, you just knew it was falling every time. And then he hit a there was a little top hole. of the key dagger step back three. On Quentin Grimes. From far on Quentin Grimes like what more like that's who you, you want, want Quentin to... Grimes guarding him that's who you want and he he nailed yep. it didn't touch the rim there's, at all there's nothing you the only thing that you could have done about it you <laughs> should have done about it before it was that close and the Knicks didn't should have probably doubled them so and then they're gonna just pick it throw it off to LaMarcus and he's not gonna miss the midi so it's you go you pick your poison either Cam gonna do it to you or LaMarcus will it's just it's just that was just a really frustrating game, I, especially considering that I was, I, I was just so certain that the Knicks would not, they would not do what they had done in the two previous games. Yeah. They scored 19 points. And you points. drove they, they, very far. I did. They scored 19 points to the Nets, 38 points in the fourth quarter. 
basically a role reversal of the first quarter where the Nets scored 18 and the Knicks scored 38 in the first quarter. But the entire second half, the Nets outscored the Knicks. And the final to this game, 111 to 106. In the third quarter, you remember what I said to you, French, how, how I felt about Julius? Before you tell me, could I tell you what it, remember what I was saying during the game? What's that? When we had the big lead, I'm saying all I want to see is what happens in the third quarter. Yeah, you said that. And immediately in the beginning of the third quarter, what happens? Back-to-back threes yeah. or three straight threes. Tibbs got to call a timeout. Yeah. And that from that moment, I'm like, here it comes. Mm-hmm. But what, what were you saying about Julius? So I said... I looked to you and I said, I don't like the way he's playing right now. He's settling way too much. Mm-hmm. He was playing like, oh, we up, we was up 20. We're, this game's over. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that. And I was like, you just lost two straight games to teams that are not as good as you. Doing the exact same thing. What makes settling. you, what makes you think that you could settle right now and it, it it continued for the whole quarter and i felt like that bled into everybody except for quickly i yeah. felt like everybody was just too relaxed yeah and, it's and, my turn to shoot now and, and it's not that's we don't gotta pass no more everything that got them the lead everything that made them the better team they just stopped doing except for quickly and then quickly came out of the game. Then Burks came in the game. And Burks got way too many minutes. I just don't understand. I just don't understand the psyche behind Julius Randle. You're the leader of this team. You're the guy who's supposed to bring the victories to this team. That's why you're getting all the minutes that you get. Yeah, you're gassed at the end of games, but... And he didn't shoot poorly in the third quarter either. He short shot pretty well in this third quarter, but it was it wasn't the fact that he made the shots that made this a poor third quarter for us. It was just a lackadaisical effort on offense and defense by our top players, led by Julius Randle. Like this man had Seth Curry on him, and is doing fadeaway long middies. What yeah. are you doing? Take that man into the paint. Be aggressive. He was not aggressive at all in that third quarter. And it didn't hurt him in the third quarter because he was making his shots, but it hurt him in the fourth because now those same shots that you were relying on in the third, you're not making them anymore. And now you're too gassed to get into the paint. So guess what? Now we only score 19 points when the other team's scoring 38, and you don't have enough gas to play defense. If Maybe if you outscored them in that third quarter like you should have to put them away, you win this game. Just my two cents. And it feels like he's trying to save energy by just shooting the ball in the third quarter because the lead is high. Uh-huh. He's just trying to do what he can to just preserve energy. But I feel like in that time, if you just play continuously how you were playing in the first half, even if it does cause you your energy, you could put the game away. Put your foot and then on you their have neck. To, you put don't have to come back in the game. Kill the their fourth spirit. quarter could just be too far away for you to even have to come back. Kill. You just have to OB get his minutes. He's good enough to maintain a comfortable lead. He's not going to cost you a comfortable lead because it hasn't happened all year. 
I just don't understand, like, the thought process behind it. Put your foot on their neck. Earn yourself that rest time. Because if you up enough, the, if the bench can hold that 20-point to 25-point lead, you, have, you don't need the energy in the fourth quarter because they're going to stay out there. Every lead that's been cut, every huge lead that's been cut has come from the veterans being on the court. I don't even have to look up anything just going off of what we've seen. Every single time a lead is cut, who's on the court? Randall's on the court. Fournier's on the court. Campbell's on the court. Maybe Grimes and Mitch there has just been because a, they're there has been a game or two. for the day. There has been a game or two that has been lost because the bench came out and then lost the lead, and then the starters came back in, and they couldn't do anything about it because the, other team, the other team already had. No, that was just a start-to-finish blowout. Like, only the elite of the elite benches can do that to our bench, right. I feel like. But, there, the but there's been the games where the NBA, bench has Utah. been terrible. And we lost the game because they let the other team gain a momentum and the starters couldn't gain the momentum back. But that hasn't been recently. Recently, it it's been, been as the starters going out there, playing lackadaisical, giving the other team hope, and then you've been out there Hoping too long. Hoping that the bench save them. Or the coach is going to save them. And the coach, this is not a coach that's going to do that. The coach is going <laughs> to let you stay out there because you give us the best chance to win because you do. Julius Randle, like, you give us the best chance to win. So don't be out there acting like you can spare energy or whatever when you're up 20-plus points. Put the foot on their neck so that now they bring their bench in, your coach will bring his bench in, and maybe you don't have to play for the rest of the game. So, and another thing I want to say is Kemba Walker, I, I would like to see some some different minutes alignments for him because recently I felt like even though he's been killing us defensively, I've still liked the way that the team looks when he's on the court as opposed to when Burks is running the offense. Like, even, even in this game, we were losing, and Burks is just walking the ball up the court, walking it up, letting time run out, doing the same stuff that got us in the position that we've been in this whole time. And it's like, what, what are you doing? And there were a lot of complaints in regards to Burks and Taj getting minutes, more minutes than quickly and, and, and Obi Toppin. I see the complaints about Burks. I don't really see the complaints about Taj because Taj is the only guy, unless you want Jericho Sims in there, Taj is the only guy that Tibbs is going to trust at the five. So, But Burks should have not been in there as much as he was. I think Tibbs messed up not getting getting quickly in sooner. But and I, Tibbs knows that. And I, and I, I looked at it, not saying that maybe he should have been in earlier, but at – like, Burks had just blew a defensive assignment, allowed Seth Curry to be wide open and hit a three, and the play after that, he called quickly up. There was, like, two minutes left in the game. And quickly didn't actually get into the game till like, 105 because there was no stoppage in play. And, and Tibbs, after the, in the postgame, said everything is on the table. Yeah. He's never said anything like that. Do we believe him? At this point in the season. I believe him. I don't think Tibbs is going to say something just to say it because normally his, like his view on the media, you can just see, feed him shit, keep him in the dark, treat him like mushrooms. 
<laughs> like he's the, he says the same thing every post game in a different, maybe a different way, but mostly in the exact same way. He repeats the same phrases. Got to play the four, four quarters, four, full 48 minutes. We got to pull like you, that, like you're going to get that every, po every, if, every if post. If he's not giving that to you, that means he's ready to see something different. He's not going to continuously do the same thing. What do you think that's going to be? And expect a different result. I think it's going to result in Alec Burks coming up. Coming up. Well, not out of the rotation, just seeing less minutes. I see Kemba receiving less minutes. And I see Deuce getting incorporated into the lineup. I got to write this out right now live while we're doing this because somebody is going to have to we come have, out of the lineup. I like I have a computer. What's your point? You can type it in the in the thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just trying to out I'm just trying to see. All right. Do you think Kemba's coming out of the starting lineup? He he has before. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did again. So if, Who if you, do you think is if starting? If I'm forced to answer, if I'm forced to answer, I see a quickly starting and Deuce coming off the bench. Really? Yeah. So you think, so that means Kemba's done for the rest of the year. Quickly starts. I don't see quickly starting. So you see the starting lineup being quickly Evan, RJ, Julius Mitch. I, I don't see Deuce getting minutes either. But you see Deuce, Grimes, Burks. Reddit. Obi? Obi. So that means Burks is still going to get minutes. Evan's still going to get minutes. Kemba is losing all of his minutes. We're not seeing any more Taj. We're not seeing any more Nerlens. No, Nerlens is injured. But if he's healthy, I'd see Nerlens getting minutes over Burks. So you think that if Nerlens is healthy after the All-Star break... Uh, no, you're forgetting one guy. You think Derrick Rose is not getting minutes? Oh, shit. Yeah. Because Derrick Rose is coming back. At, we know that. Derrick Rose is so coming no back deuce. after the All-Star break. So No deuce. Deuce is not getting minutes is what I'm trying to tell you, sir. Deuce is not going to get minutes. Regardless Damn of anything. Deuce. deuce is not getting minutes this he's year. He's definitely... Unless we're out of the... He's definitely gonna stay with the team though yeah no for sure deuce deuce is just not gonna see minutes he's not, i i don't see i i think it's possible kemba comes out of the rotation but i don't know i don't know if that's going to happen unless he gets bought out and i don't think he's gonna get bought out so i see kemba staying in the rotation and i see derrick rose coming back into Starting. the rotation nope kemba's gonna still start derrick rose is gonna be what we have now is everything that we see now is we're going to continue to see, except we're not going to see Bur Point Burks. We're going to see Derrick Rose, which I don't think is a bad plan. I, I think it. Al we've already laid down that. the groundwork for it. We Kemba plays the first and the third. Derrick Rose plays the second and the fourth. I don't think that's a bad idea. Yeah, I think that's the most realistic scenario. I'm more so wishful thinking right. because of what Tibbs said. Yeah. He's never said that before, so I just want to... I'm hoping for a change, and I, I would like to see quickly in the starting five. 
I'm hoping that the change is that we don't see any more Burks. Not because I don't like Burks, but I do think I that think if we, if Derek Rose comes back, his value as a point guard is non-existent because it's already pretty poor. And I don't think that he provides as much as Quentin Grimes in the rotation. Do I think, I think Gibbs has enough balls Burks, to though. do that? I don't know. Is that going to make the Knicks fans happy if we have a rotation with Kemba, Evan, RJ, Julius, Mitch, Derek Rose, Grimes, Reddish, Obi, Nerlens, or Taj? Mm-hmm. I think Taj doesn't get minutes consistently unless there's injuries. But Burks... <clears throat> He's shown that he can knock down open shots when he's not having to be the main ball handler. And when he's running point, he's gassed when he's off the ball. I left off quickly. So he, 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 a lot of his shots come off the front of the rim when he's forced to play point guard. I've noticed. And he always attacks and he doesn't really play the same. He doesn't play as crafty as he normally does when he's a main facilitator on the team he's more so trying to get teammates involved and if he has an opportunity to try to create he'll try but yeah I don't know I, I think a reduced role for Burks would help him a lot more than taking him out of the rotation uh, and I, I think he's won us games single-handedly 100 I don't think that player is gonna just disappear out of the rotation 100 percent. but out of Evan <clears throat> Grimes and Burks, I think Grimes is the most important. And I think that the value that both Evan and Burks gives you is redundant. They can both win you games with their shooting, with their scoring, with their ability to facilitate, which means you have to choose one. Why can't they both come off the bench in the perfect world? I mean, we have too many players because... I just try. That's why I said I had to write it down. I'm looking at it, and I just gave you a lineup, and then literally five seconds into your response, I said, "Damn, that's not the lineup I want," because I forgot quickly. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. The only thing I think is for certain is if we are fully healthy, Cam Reddish is out of the lineup. I, I, I don't think it's, I, I don't think he's done enough to get certain rotation minutes i think he's been he's been good he's been fine he's been better than kevin knox which he's been better than most of the wings on this team yes in terms of free throw shooting yes in terms of attacking driving lanes yes and that's with two weeks of just being incorporated into the team right. and, and learning the play playbook i i don't see us giving up on cam this early in this i season. wouldn't say giving up on him <clears throat> and now you're making me want to look at his his contract free throw percentage. No, because oh. I wanted to look up that free throw sentence as being a Nick. He missed one free throw. Yeah, well, I I remember he missed one free throw because I was like, we talked up how good he shoots free throws, and then he missed the very next one. So maybe it's two. No, he only missed one. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong though, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's he only missed one. the one in the clutch in Portland. I remember that one. <clears throat> So, yeah, we still have Cam for next season. He is extent, rookie extension eligible, but we have mm-hmm. 
we have him guaranteed for 2022-23. And then we have a qualifying. We, we can do the qualifying offer for 2023-24, which if we don't do that, it would be a restricted free agent. So, Like if we could get Cam to buy into this system and clean up all the areas of his game where he needs to clean up, bro, like that changes everything for the team. Because with his... I like Cam a lot. With his strengths, if he's able to figure out how to u- utilize his strengths consistently to become a threat off the bench, like, bro, that's another dynamic of the team that yeah. teams are going to have the game plan for. I, I like Cam. I think I, would, I think I would like him better if we didn't have Julius. Because <laughs> then, like, if you get rid of Julius... And then we were assuming that Kemba's not part of this team next season. That clarifies so much because Cam, because Cam could play some four minutes, and he's tall enough and he's long enough to he's do it. He's been rebounding a lot better since he's come to the Knicks too. Right, and now you split up minutes for Obi and Cam at the four, and Cam can play some three. Cam can play some four. Obi is, you know, ostensibly a just a four, so. The, him not having minutes because of Julius, that problem is no longer a problem. As a Cam could back up RJ, or he could back up Obi. Quentin Grimes could back up R- RJ, or he could back up whoever you have at the two. Or you can start him alongside him at the two if you do something with Evan Fournier and Alec Burks. But the, the Julius of it all kind of makes this Cam Reddish thing a little bit of an issue too. Because you could definitely get him a lot more minutes if you don't have Julius in there. And at the same time, get Ovi some more minutes. The good thing about trading for Cam midseason is that we have all year to look at him up close and personal. And we have an entire offseason with him before next season. I don't know if we're going to see him. But, and I know that's going to piss no, a lot but of people I'm, off. I'm, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about us as fans. I'm talking about the Knicks. The team. Right. The coaching staff. Yeah. The front office. Like... They have an opportunity to get a really good look at him in this time period. And I am I would love to see him in a rotation this year, but I really would want to see what this team looks like next year. I, that's, that, that's the only thing I'm operating on is I would love to see this team, how it looks next season. Healthy. Now that we've seen what, okay, who, who's been good for us this year? Who's been bad for us this year? Who's been inconsistent? Who do we want to keep? Who do we want to develop? If this front office can manage those things the best that it can, I am still excited to see next season whether Tom Thibodeau is the coach or not. Still got all our draft picks. Correct. Still have tradable contracts. Like isn't the still sky got is Rokis Still got Rokis overseas. We still got Deuce McBride. Like we, there's a lot. Jericho Sims. There's a lot to to be thankful <clears throat> for and to be hopeful RJ's for. RJ's nowhere near his ceiling yet. Correct. And he's already really good. We have positive things to look forward to. All right. Let's quickly go into <clears throat> the one thing that we didn't talk about in the last podcast, All-Star Weekend. And we didn't talk mm-hmm. about it because there's only one Nick that's going to be participating in this entire weekend. That is Obi Toppin, who is in the slam dunk contest. He's, he should win this slam dunk contest. As, as like He's going off up against Cole Anthony, Jalen Green, and... Juan Toscano Anderson. We've seen him do between the leg dunks in game. Yeah. 
he should be able to pull out some 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 crazy dunks. He's your odds-on favorite he's mad to win. He didn't win it last year. Yeah, I'm biased though. I'm biased. You put money on it. I like Cole. I like, but not Cole. Jalen Green, because he got bounced too. But yeah, Obi, I like Cole he should too. Win this one. They're both. They're, Cole they're, gonna miss dunks. I I could call it. Cole is gonna miss dunk for sure. Yeah, he's too small. How do you feel about the Knicks not having any young guys in the rookie sophomore game? Did you watch the rookie sophomore game? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't... We've seen Knicks in the rookie sophomore game before, and it didn't really tell us anything. It was, it's just an event. We've seen Frank there. We've seen KP there. We've seen multiple Knicks play in that game, and I, I, it's, it still was never something that I wanted to watch personally. And it doesn't indicate who's going to be a star player, even if you do have a really well game <clears throat> or a really good game. But it would have been nice to see Grimes out there. I feel like he deserved it. It would have been nice to see Mitch out there. It's no, he's not even a sophomore. What am I talking about? Um, Not Mitch. OB out there. That would have been nice. But outside of that, I, I, I don't really. It would have been Grimes, really quickly, or <clears throat> OB. Quickly wouldn't have made it. Not over the guys that are on the no. roster. I don't Precious think... shouldn't have been up there. Precious, and I feel like Obi should have been there instead of Precious is true. Nah, I disagree with that. Obi, Obi hasn't been great this year. Nah, but it's not about greatness. It's about who would you rather see? Like, All-Star yeah, Weekend? Rather, I would have rather saw Obi, is going to be way more exciting. Yeah, well... It ain't like you get any bonus in your contract for making a rookie sophomore game. It's, it's just for fun. It's for All-Star Weekend for entertainment purposes. Obi's way more entertaining, I feel like. But that's just me. Who you got winning that slam dunk contest? Cole? I got Obi. I got Obi oh, no. winning it. I, I Only because exactly Can't what you said. Answer. This season, we've seen him do East Bay dunks in-game. So that, <clears throat> that's who I, who I got. If I was betting against you, then I would say, go with New York City, man. Cole Anthony, not playing. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I them up early. I, I don't mean, think about it. That's now. where I was going with it. I was gonna say Cole. Ant I could see Cole Anthony sneaking a victory just because of. I believe he's the smallest guy on the court. I don't know how tall Juan Toscano Anderson is, but he's like six four, six five. But I see Cole Anthony doing it. If he hits all his dunks, I could see him winning. Cause that's if you if you're if you're a guard and you can hit all of your dunks in a dunk contest and they're all good, you're gonna win over the big guy. Six six. Hey, Obi Toppin is a big guy. You, you think you can pull a Nate? Nate Robinson by doing what? Jumping over Nate Robinson? <laughs> no, jumping over somebody huge and winning the whole thing. No, I think that if he's going to win, it's not going to be jumping over somebody because that's starting. That's been played. I think it would have to be... You could still do a creative. It would have to be creative dunks that we've seen before, but just flashier, you know, more yeah. impressive. That would be the way to, to win. And If you do a free throw line dunk over somebody, I feel like that's a 50. Uh, can he do that? I don't think he can. I think Obi can. You wanna you wanna get into predictions? Predictions. Last episode, Ja predicted the Knicks would go 
one and four, I believe. I did not. You don't even remember. I predicted no, you, we went. We you, would go. You predicted one and three, one and three, one and three, and I predicted three and one. I remember. Except and... we only we only covered three games this week. <laughs> so I predicted two and one, and you predicted three and zero. Oh. My bad. I read the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you said two and one. I said three and zero. Oh. Yes. We both was wrong. Well, it's not about who was wrong. It's about who was closest. I mean, roll a flip a coin. I literally, <laughs> I literally gave you the out. I literally gave you the out. You had, you could have said one and one. You could have said oh. But and look three. at who we were playing against. Yeah. Did like I would have had to be. I wouldn't have believed it if I really said zero oh and three. Nobody Listen, on I, earth I'm would not, believe zero oh and three. I'm not saying like. I'm not saying that it was an easy choice. Like, it's not. I picked the most likely outcome. The most likely outcome was two and one. In three games, the Knicks are going to lose one of those games. Okay, that's fair. You was like, they're going to win all of them. And I don't know if this team... That's what they're supposed to do. I don't know if this team has given us enough hope to really feel like they were going to win three straight. They had double-digit leads in every single one of these games. Nobody would have blamed you. They should have won. Nobody would have blamed you if you went one and two. And if you went one and two. I could have argued that I was closer. We were winning more quarters than we were losing. (laughs) That is a pause. What you got your prediction for this That is a pause for effect, ladies and gentlemen. And not because I agree with him, but yeah, that was whatever. We only covered one game this week. One game. We play Miami Miami on, on February 25th. Which is going Listeners to be nationally know what, televised. What I believe. Yeah. ESPN, MSG. I'm going to go. I'm going to say we win. Oh, my God. Thank yep. I appreciate that. Because you know what I really believe. I didn't want to go against that. I have no faith that we're going to win. So I'm going to go with the calm 0-1 so I can finally get a win on these predictions. Let's go. I appreciate That's brotherly love right there. I appreciate I'm trying to look that. out for you, brother. And also because your last that. few predictions, the Knicks have won the exact opposite of what you said. So I want you to, <laughs> if you're going to be wrong <laughs> and jinx I want to be wrong too. If you want to be wrong and jinx, be wrong and jinx us into some wins and not some losses. Nah, I genuinely believe this prediction here, y'all. Put all your money on the over it, for Miami. You, you genuinely believe the last prediction too. But anyway. No, I didn't. <laughs> you got anything you want to plug, French? So we get out of here. I'm ready to. I'm ready to unplug. You got nothing. You feel me? You feels me. You ain't watch nothing. Nothing. I've been. No, 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 no. Actually, I was gonna watch Amistad again yesterday. Amistad. I did not think you were going there. And if you don't know what that movie is, it's about African slave trade. It's based on a true story of slaves who overtook the slave ship and came to America, had to fight for ownership of like, not ownership, for, for freedom. And it's, it's, a, it's a long movie, but if you want to go back and watch it, if you don't mind, it's a 98 movie. It's a good movie. Morgan Freeman's in that. A show that I watched last night, Abbott's Elementary on Hulu. It's a nice little calm, fun watch. I don't really want to, it's, it's, it's based on an elementary school. It's not, it's, it's a comedy show. All black cast for the most part. Everybody hates Chris Guy. They love who? What's the art actor who played Chris? You I don't know Chris? his name. 
but I know who you're talking about. He's in there. Remember that meme? Of, he got money. Ooh, he got money. <laughs> She's in Tyler James Williams. That's the kid from Everybody Hates Chris. He's in that. I'm still not going to remember that. But My fault. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good watch if you want something calm to just put on and laugh at. It's not really one of those series that you have to follow intently, but it's a, it's a good watch. So those are my two suggestions. So I, I, I talked to you about what my suggestion is. You obviously have not gotten back into it. I watched where we're currently up to in Euphoria. You haven't, obviously haven't watched any of that, right? I'm going to watch it again. I, I tried to just, you know what I'm saying, just give up after episode two. But everyone, it's, it's, it's been coming up in conversations everywhere. So I, I'm going to Everyone's saying the same thing I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Euphoria is... I will just preface it by saying it's not for the young. Definitely it's not. not. It's not. It, it's not for, not for the easily influenced. It's not for the mentally young. Because we have some 30-year-olds who act like they're 13-year-olds. Not for them either. But it is very interesting, intriguing. I think it's a good show. Yeah, it's a good show for sure. And very well thought out. And this second season, they've been going crazy. They've been going ham. They like they built it up in the first the first few first few episodes, and it's like this is what we've been building up. You did. I bet you didn't think we were going this way with it, did you? Stop spoiling stuff. I didn't even say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even say anything. But yeah, this is this is. I'm thoroughly enjoying the second season so far outside of, you know, points here and there, but, and then there's surprising, surprising nudity that I was not expecting also, but y'all will find that out for yourself. A lot of that. Go check actually. out Euphoria. Yeah. Zendaya is the main character. If you Zendaya. Whatever. However you say her name. She's the main character, and she plays that role off pretty well. She plays that role off so well that I actually think that she might be doing drugs outside of the show. But you know what's crazy? <laughs> I watched the Euphoria, and then immediately after, I watched Spider-Man. And she acted the same. <laughs> <laughs> no. She was completely different in Spider-Man. Mad innocent. You would believe that she's actually a high school girl. It's like, God damn. She's a high school girl in both of them, though. <laughs> no, no, no. She's not a typical high school girl in Euphoria. <laughs> Come on. I'm talking about the, the Disney Channel high school girl. That's what she's playing in Spider-Man. Nah, I and, disagree um, with you. I disagree. With, I, she is definitely a more innocent high school girl than in Euphoria. Like, they, they couldn't be more different. But more? at the same time... She's completely innocent. <laughs> yeah, listen, if you told me that MJ in Spider-Man was on drugs low-key, I'd believe it. No, you wouldn't. I, I, you better watch. You better watch them Spider Mans again. <laughs> you, you, better, you look at her actions and tell me that some points, some points, not every time, but at some point, she don't look a little bit like she on coke. That's all I'm saying. Just watch it again and keep that in your brain and tell me that you could say 100 percent she is not on drugs. 
That's all I'm going to say. It's hot to you. So I'm saying. I liked her in Malcolm and Marie, too. Huh? You seen that movie on Netflix, Malcolm and Marie? I don't, I don't she's know. She's in that movie, too. She's in a like, lot. She's, a, she's, she's all over the place. Yeah, she's in a lot. She's, I like her. And she's got yeah, so a we, lot of we, range. We don't tolerate no Zendaya's disrespect, all right? She's got a lot of range. <laughs> like, she she's definitely from that, that Disney class, but she, yeah. All right. Wait, she was in Disney? She had something, some... Now you want me? Now you get got me getting ready to look it up. I'm pretty sure that she started off her career as a as a Disney actress, and I will tell you that right now. Shake it up. Shake it up. Definitely Listen, shake it up. This isn't important. Shake it up. <laughs> she was featured in iCarly Toys important. ads. Yep, yep, yeah. Disney. She started off in Disney. Wow. Mm-hmm. You didn't even know that, did you? Didn't even know it. Yep. Zapped. So, not that the not that any of the listeners care about any of this, but I just needed yeah. to be right for a second before we signed off. Everybody, nobody's even listening at this point anymore. <laughs> Everybody turned off. <laughs> no, nah, she's good though. She's definitely a lot better. Like when <clears> I first, she oh, she's just another Disney. No, she's she's really good. She's gonna have yeah. a very long career. All right. Yep. We got nothing else to say. Once again, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to Mixtape Podcast. Peace. That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.